Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. So if I didn't say it already, happy 2023. Happy New Year. Wanted to do a little status check. How many people here actually stayed up till midnight? Wow, impressive. That's why you're here at this service. I get that. (laughs) So did anyone watch the ball drop? Was everyone else watching football? Yes, okay. (laughs) Anyone planning on eating black-eyed peas today? Yes, this is what I always did as a kid. For good luck, right? The 9 a.m. service thought I was crazy when I said that. Has anyone made any New Year's resolutions? Anyone resolved not to make New Year's resolutions? Okay, yes. I have a friend who actually calls them just casual promises to myself that I'm under no legal obligation to fulfill. So that's about where I see them. But since we have kids in the room, I wanted to take my moment and suggest to you some New Year's resolutions to make. Is that okay? All right. So kids, I will not say... I'm hungry, 70 seconds after not eating my dinner, okay? And maybe if you're a teenager, 70 seconds after eating your entire dinner, we'll not say that, okay? Um, I will not ask why more than three consecutive times about the same topic, including, not limited to, the color of the sky, dinosaur existence, childbirth, and whatever it is my friend gets to do that I don't, okay? (laughs) And my personal favorite, most relevant to my recent personal life, is that I will not leave complicated school projects that require multiple trips to the craft store until the day before they're due. Okay? Kids, are you with me? All right. (laughs) You know, it's funny because even if you're not someone who makes New Year's resolutions, It just seems to be a natural part of our cultural rhythms that at this time of year, we start to evaluate our lives. We think about, you know, what went well last year or maybe what didn't. What do we want to change? What do we want to add or subtract? And we just kind of have these questions in our mind, I think even if we're not aware of them, we're just naturally evaluating and thinking about a fresh start. And so because it's New Year's Day, and I have that in mind, I wanted to suggest a new question to you. What if the most important thing we can do this year is just to wait on God? So we're going to dive into that today. Um, But first, we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture that we looked at right before Christmas that will help us to examine this question. So if you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? This is Luke 2, 22 through 40. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there is a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who is righteous and devout He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Um, Father God, thank you so much for who you are, that you are a God who continually invites us deeper into relationship with you. Lord, open our minds, our hearts, our ears today to hear the word you have for us. Help us to start this new year firm on your foundation as we've already sung this morning. Lord, all of this is for you and we love you. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Okay, so like I said, we talked about this passage about Simeon and Anna on the Sunday before Christmas, and Pastor Trevor talked to us about waiting. We thought about waiting as both a posture and a practice. So when you're waiting, you can choose the type of posture you have. You may have good posture where you're waiting expectantly, hopefully, knowing God will work. Or we may have bad posture where we're frustrated, don't understand why God's not working. We try to wrench things into place ourselves. And we also talked about waiting as a practice. We learned and practiced waiting prayer where you can just sit in God's presence and wait for what he has for you. And if you missed that message, I would highly encourage you to go back and watch it. Because today we're going to look at another angle of waiting— You know, we talked about waiting a lot on the front side of Christmas, where we're waiting for Jesus to be born. And now this past week, right, we've been celebrating that. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But we're still a people who is waiting because we're waiting for Jesus to come again, for him to come and bring with him the new heavens and the new earth, where there's no more sadness or crying or sickness, where God's full glory is revealed. And so in this waiting, what I'd like to talk about today is what we do while we're waiting. Now, that's probably funny to some of you who know me. Of course, I'm the one bringing the message about what you do while you wait, (laughs) because I don't sit still well, but I promise it's not just my type A personality coming through. I think there's actually two types of waiting. 
So one type of waiting is passive waiting, where you're just sitting around waiting for something to happen. You have no part in it. Like you're waiting to see if it will rain. You're waiting on someone to bring you your food at a restaurant. You're waiting for kids to clean their rooms, maybe. Is that just my house? Man. And then there's active waiting. And active waiting is when you know the thing you're waiting for is going to happen without a doubt. And so you are expecting it to happen. And because you know it's going to happen, you have work to do to prepare for it to happen. Active waiting is all about expectation and preparation. And that is the type of waiting we are invited to with Simeon and Anna. This is like when you are waiting maybe for guests to come at Christmas time. You had preparation to do. You were maybe cleaning a room or baking or whatever you did to get ready for your guests. Maybe some of you are actively waiting for people to leave after Christmas. <laughs> or it's like when, you're, when a woman is expecting a baby. There is work to do. You don't just stand around and wait for a baby to be born. You have to prepare. You know, I remember preparing for each of my girls to be born. We had to paint the room, put together the furniture, choose the right books, fold the clothes, had to find the lamp that was the exact right shade of yellow for the nightstand. (laughs) You know, there's work to do when we're expecting and preparing for the thing we're waiting for. And this is the type of waiting that we're invited to with Simeon and Anna. One of my favorite authors and spiritual thinkers is Henry Nouwen, and he has this to say about waiting. He says that waiting time is not wasting time. Waiting patiently in expectation is the foundation of the spiritual life. So today we're going to dig more into that foundation and think about what does that waiting look like specifically. So Simeon and Anna, one of the first things I notice about them is that they were watching for God to work in their lives. So we're called to watch for where he's working. Now, that's not always easy, right? Because God doesn't put up billboards or neon signs. He doesn't say, this is where I'm working, pay attention. But there are things that we can do to see more clearly what God is doing. It's like kids. Have you, any of you ever been on a 3D ride or seen a 3D movie? Okay, so what do you have to put on when you go in to see that? 3D glasses. Good job, I hear you. So when you are in a 3D movie, we did this this past week. We went to the Fort Lauderdale uh, Museum and we saw this big IMAX 3D movie about the flight, the migration of monarch butterflies. And when you had the 3D glasses on, You could see everything, yep, here's us, our spiffy 3D glasses. You could see everything so clearly, so colorfully. It's like it was happening right in front of our eyes. We were a part of it. But if you take your glasses off in the middle, has anyone ever done that before? It gets blurry. You can't really tell what's happening. Things are flat. They're kind of confusing. So in the same way, there are things we can do, build into our lives to make sure that we're putting on the right glasses to see God's movement and activity clearly and be a part of it. Okay, so let's see what Simeon and Anna did to help them put on those spiritual 3D glasses. So Simeon, first we see in Luke 2, 
It says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. What I see from this verse, this one little verse, tells us that Simeon knew his scripture, right? He knew the, what we now know as the Old Testament. He knew the prophecies that spoke of the coming Messiah. He knew them so well that he knew who he was looking for. He knew where to wait. He knew that promise that God was making to him. So Simeon knew and probably immersed himself in those scriptures. Now about Anna, we read just a few verses later that she never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. So Anna knew where God was working because she was worshiping him. She was fasting and praying. Simeon knew his scriptures. These things, across church history, they're called the means of grace. Scripture, fasting, praying, worshiping God. They're called the means of grace because they're ways that we open ourselves to receive more of God. It's not anything that we're doing to earn his love, nothing he's checking to see if we've done on the to-do list, but they're ways that we can affect how we see what God is doing. You know, it's like back in the fall, if you were here for our Resilient series, Pastor Dale told us during that series that genuinely receiving Jesus as Lord is all that's required to get into heaven. But then he added that it's not all that's required to get heaven into you. And so these things that we see Simeon and Anna practicing, these means of grace, are ways that we get heaven into us. You know, for me, my time in the morning with the Lord is the most important part of my day. I get up early before anyone else gets up, otherwise it's not going to happen, right? I sit in my one chair I have in the corner of my office, my little side table. It has a coaster for my tea, not like all your crazy coffee drinkers. I have my Bible, my journal, and that's the space where I meet God, where I seek his face in the morning so that I can see more clearly where he's working. And you know, just as a little aside, it's January 1st, and so today's a great day to jump into our Word of God Speak reading plan that many of us do here across Community of Hope. It's one chapter of reading a day. It's an awesome way to just get started in that particular means of grace as a habit for yourself. So look on the app or stop by the welcome desk on your way out. All right, aside over. But these are the practices that enable us to see where God's working so we can join him. And that's another way that we actively wait and prepare is we prepare by doing God's work. Right, so we're a little bit different from Simeon and Anna because they were waiting for the Messiah to come. We, over the past week, just celebrated that he has come, but we're still waiting for him to come again. And so we're in this interesting period of kind of our spiritual history where we call it the already and the not yet. So he's already come, but he has not yet come again. And in this period, we're invited into God's work with him. It reminds me of a story in Acts. So remember, we have the ancient biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where we read that Jesus was killed on a cross, that he was buried in a tomb, that he rose three days later, and then over the next period of 40 days, he appeared to various people and groups of people, and this is where this story picks up, actually right on that 40th day. 
So Acts 1, starting at verse 6, says, Then they, his disciples, gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And this is where he gives us a job. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So a lot of times when I read scripture, I like to imagine myself there because these are real stories that happen to real people. So picture that you're one of the disciples. You're standing around talking to Jesus. He's given you some assignment to do. Okay, I need to be his witness. Suddenly he ascends into the heavens. Of course you're standing there staring into the sky, right? What else would you do? But then these angels show up and they ask, I think, kind of a weird question. They're like, why are you standing here just looking into the sky? And in my mind, what they were really asking is, why are you passively waiting around? And then when they tell them that Jesus is going to return, I think what they're actually saying is, get to work because he's coming back, right? We have work to do to be Jesus's witnesses while we wait on his return. You know, across scripture, we see this idea that God has designed works for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. One of the best examples I can think of this work we have in the already not yet is actually from American history. So any kids here, have you learned about the Underground Railroad yet? Okay, I've got a couple. All right, so you're going to learn something new today. The Underground Railroad was this network of people and places and routes during the Civil War that helped enslaved people in the South escape into the North and gain their freedom. There were so many people involved that would come to the plantations and share information or tell slaves which way to go, what signs to look for. And the people who organized all of it were called conductors, You might know Harriet Tubman, who is probably one of the most famous conductors. So between the years of 1810 and 1850, it's estimated that the Underground Railroad guided 100,000 enslaved people to freedom. What I love about this story is I think it gives us a model for the work that we're called to do in this time. So think about the conductors of the Underground Railroad. They were living into a new reality that didn't yet exist for them. Technically, legally, slavery was still legal because Lincoln had not yet issued the Emancipation Proclamation. But they knew a new reality, a new kingdom was coming in which all people would be free. And so they did the work of ushering people into that kingdom even before it existed. So in the same way, 
We still live in a kingdom that scripture says is under the rule of the prince of the kingdom of the air. But we know and we're waiting for a new reality that will be coming. And so we do the work of walking people into the freedom that Jesus offers us. I just love this way of framing this idea because it's a way for us to subversively undermine the power of Satan as we pray for heaven to come to earth. Right? Think about that line of the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're called to do God's work, acting as though his kingdom has already come. And in doing so, we undermine the kingdom of our enemy. Sometimes I think that phrase, God's work, just scares off a lot of us. Maybe it's too general. Maybe it seems too big and too hard. It seems for other people, people more spiritual than I. But we are each called to be ministers of the gospel in every arena of our lives. So that's true whether you're five years old or 55 years old. That's true in your workplace, on your soccer team, in your neighborhood. Every area that you find yourself, God has placed you there specifically for the people around you. And that is how we use our subversive means to topple the kingdom of the enemy. You know, in the midst of that, one of the most important things that we see about Simeon and Anna and that we're called to is to center our lives on the promises of God. Think about Simeon and Anna for a moment. What do we really know about them? We know they waited on Jesus. We know Anna lived in the temple. We know Simeon was waiting for the Messiah. But the writers of Luke, the writer of Luke, thought that the most important thing to record about them for all of history was that they waited on Jesus. And I just think how cool that we have that opportunity too, that the single most defining characteristic of our lives may be said of us that we waited on the Lord. And the way that we do that is by centering our lives on Jesus. And it doesn't mean that we're stodgy or not fun, but it does mean that we're different, right? When we filter things through Jesus as the center of our lives, it means that our decisions are different. Maybe our finances look different, our media consumption, our family time, our kids' after-school activities. Everything changes when Jesus is in the center. Um, You know, it's funny. I was at the park a couple months ago with some friends, my kids and some friends of theirs from school, and so the mom and I were sitting on the bench, and we were just chatting about our families, and her kids are similar age to mine, so elementary, and she was talking about, you know, their family rhythms and how crazy busy they are, and the tutors that they have, and the musical instruments they're working on, and which schools will look the best on the resumes. And, you know, she was just kind of overwhelmed by all the things she was trying to do for her kids. And then she asked me what our family rhythms looked like. And I told her, well, you know, for us, the most important thing is not that our kids excel academically or become piano virtuosos or 
you know, MVP players on the field, which there's no way that's going to happen <laughs> based on our recent soccer experience. <laughs> but for us, the most important thing for our kids is that they love God and love people. And so I told her, you know, we don't do activities that meet on Sundays because we're at church together. We don't even let them do a lot of activities because we value our family time together. And she looked at me, I think she kind of shook her head, and she said, you're different from the other moms. (laughs) And you know, I was grateful for that. It's not always easy to look different, but it is what we're called to. And I can tell you that, you know, we've done the faith thing as a nice add-on extra. It makes us feel good. We come when it's convenient. But when life actually meets life, it just doesn't work anymore. Our God wants all of us. He's a jealous God. He wants to pour all of his love into all of us, not into a segment of our lives. So when we center our lives on the promises of God, we're invited into this awesome privilege, living a life of hope. You know, at the beginning of this message, I asked you, what if the most important thing you can do this year is actively wait on God? But now I want to change the question just a little. And here's a question that I would like you to think about as you're asking God How are you inviting me to actively wait on you? For some of you that may just be here checking out church, or you might be trying it out after many years, or you're watching online, you're not even sure you want to come in person, this is not a moment of pressure. This is an invitation that maybe your next step is just to come back. For some of you, maybe God is inviting you to think about how you can watch more carefully for him by developing those means of grace, getting into scripture or praying or fasting or spending more time in worship. For some of you, maybe there's something specific he's been asking you to do, inviting you into his work in the already not yet. Maybe there's something that keeps popping up in your mind that it's time to say yes to. And for some of you on this first day of 2023, maybe it's time to think about where your life is centered and where the Lord is asking you to center it. And then I think there are probably some of you here or watching online who you feel like you have been waiting on the Lord and waiting and waiting, and maybe you're still waiting, or maybe he didn't show up the way you wanted him to. And you know, I've been in those spaces too. And what I think God would want to say to you here is that his promises are still true, whatever our circumstances are, and you're being invited to just lean in a little. So we're going to take just a moment now This is what we do in our Kids of Hope rooms, by the way. After they hear a story, we always take a moment for them to speak to God because we know God talks to kids just like he talks to grown-ups. And so with this question, I would just invite you to take a few moments now. Ask God what's the one way that he's inviting you to actively wait on him.
we come to you this morning offering all of ourselves. We want to enter this new year seeking you more deeply, yearning for your face, wanting what you want for us. We know your promises are true and we ask Holy Spirit that you would teach us how to wait on you this year. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we were singing, I thought of these verses that I read in Psalm 27 this morning. It says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So as you go from this place, Go in his peace and go in his waiting. Happy New Year and we'll see you next week.